As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growl and Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. I can't speak for Jay because I don't know for sure, but I am excited to be back in the live saddle again. We had a nice, a nice time off. I hope everybody enjoyed our run of specialty shows. I, I enjoyed uh, being able to do some different stuff for you guys. But Jay, it really feels good looking at this rundown of all this news and stuff we have to get to, and know that we've got a lot in front of us. I'm, I'm excited. I kind of prefer vacation. But I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can we can we put more sh- more shows in the bank back in June and then just kick it for a couple of weeks again? No. Uh, the The transition from recharge to beaten down by the grind, like that number, gets a little smaller every year. I feel like I'm at about 36 hours for that. So about noon on Tuesday is when I'll sort of return to beaten down by the grind. But for right now, for this podcast, recharged, Paul. Coffeed up Paul is still here for you. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go. Yeah, it, it is good to be back. It was, you know, it was great to do in-person interviews yesterday. It, it had been a long time. We've we've talked to guys on the phone, but to sit down face to face and talk to these guys, uh, so much different than Zoom. Um, it, it really it it's refreshing anytime that that you have the the pre-camp luncheon, but but yet yesterday felt special just in that regard where we didn't have it at all last year didn't have any in-person interviews last year it, it feels like we're inching closer to normalcy I did have to wear pants though for them. Whereas yeah. last year, you're just I'm in basketball shorts and uh, you know maybe I throw the throw the collared shirt on for the Zoom. Maybe would be as dressed up as I get. But yesterday it was nice clothes, putting all the nice clothes and all the nice the nice shoes, everything back on. That's fine, you know. It feels nice to dress yourself up every once in a while. You feel you feel good. Well, I don't want to I don't want to get more into uh, my uh, pandemic habits. Let's 
there is I want to run down the news. There's a lot of news to get to, not just over stuff that came out on Monday at the Mock Turtle Soup. We will talk a little bit about who ate what at the Mock Turtle Soup, uh, <laughs> of course, as we always love to discuss that. But there's a lot of news that came out and some stuff over over the break. Um, that we want to touch on as well. And then after that, if we run down the news, we're going to talk about the plan for Joe Burrow. Fully cleared, ready to go, but how do they get him? What happens? What does the next five weeks look like as you go from day one fully cleared to feeling fully confident and ready to kick ass and take names against Minnesota? They have a plan for that. We're going to discuss what that looks like, what it could be, and you'll hear from Mike Brown, from Brian Callahan, and others. We're going to talk about the pressure on Zach Taylor and the things said by Mike Brown yesterday. You know, there there was a lot of optimism and a lot of positivity, as there always is in these events, but there was really an underscore of you got to win now. The, the the time of of back building and 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 projecting and seeing progress is gone. The season of being time to win is here. There's a lot of interesting things said in that regard and a lot of fallout from that we're going to get into. We're going to have Mike Brown talking about Zach Taylor. Very interesting things there. Zach Taylor on the build of this roster and what it looks like on paper. And Duke Tobin will talk about that as well. So we're going to have that coming to you. I have a 53-man projection that is up on the site. First practice, first training camp practice is Wednesday. So before we get going on that, a lot of where are the battles? Um, what what does it really look like now? How real are they? Injuries have affected those a little bit in some spots, so we'll discuss those as well. All right, um, we have three stories up this morning on uh, up Tuesday morning. Um, Jay, you have your story on what we just talked about on Joe Burrow and how they're going to rebuild him back up. I have a story on on the pressure on Zach Taylor and the 53-man roster prediction. All those stories are up now on The Athletic. Uh, it, we have a 50% off deal going on right now. It's a limited time offer. If you've been thinking about, look, football season starting, camp starting, we've got so much great stuff planned. Uh, all across our 400-plus reporters, all across uh, continents and across the NFL, you can get it all for a 50% off deal right now. Either go to any of those stories, click on the link, subscribe, and you'll have us uh, as long as you want to be part of it. Highly recommend doing that right now. Um, we also have stories up from last week. The Ring of Honor happened. Ken Riley and Ken Anderson both got in to join Anthony Munoz and Paul Brown. Uh, Jay, of course. Jay's got stats on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you went deep in the stats on that one, Jay. I did. I uh, I. I... It just it struck me, and I, I I knew this, but I didn't know how good it was. It struck me how good and how productive he was at age thirty five and age thirty six. And we we have some uh, stat databases where you can look up those kind of things. And it was amazing to see you know where he ranks in terms of you know oldest man to have a pick six, oldest oldest guy to have an eight interception season. I mean he's he's right there with the the best of. All the all the Hall of Famers, like a, a lot of people, have not done what he did at that age, and um, it was just kind of fun to to look at those numbers, and it was it was rewarding too to to get a text from Ken Riley the second. You know, he really appreciated it. Um, some some numbers that he wasn't aware of. I also went through all the old game books and uh, compiled the list 
of every quarterback that Ken Riley intercepted. And there are some really good ones on that list. I love that list. I love that. It's really, it reminds you of like, you know, this is not some throwaway stuff. This is picking Mm -hmm. off the best that there's ever been a ton of guys in the Hall of Fame. I have a story up on Ken Anderson, really both Ken Anderson and Ken Riley II, who talked to us last week about, look, um, what's happened in Canton has been tough to see and getting passed over and all that storyline that we have belabored and another senior vote is coming up this month. So we'll see if Ken or Ken gets in to have kind of a double up year Um, that that vote will be soon. But this, I think for them and the outpouring of support they got through the voting process, I think for them helped heal a little bit. Some of the Canton wounds. I have a column up about that um, diving into more of what they said in that regard. So all of that, any of those stories go on there, click on those 50% off uh, deal going on right now. All right, because I know people need their burrow instantly injected into their veins. Uh, if you have the athletic app, go down. We have a time code of when we start talking about Bur- Burrow before we go through all the news here. Uh, and you can go and click on the time code and take you directly to when we start talking about Joe Burrow. If you need it now, click on that time code and go directly uh, to it ends up being about, well, probably go about 15 minutes here on this news. So go check that out. Let's, let's, let's crank through this news, Jay. Uh, Sam Hubbard, four years, $40 million extension, done, um, as we thought it would be. What's next? Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is on deck. It's coming. Duke Tobin talked about it yesterday. Basically said, hopefully they'll be able to throw something together and get it done. You know, the fact that that he talked about it, and I don't know. I'm a read-between-the-lines guy too often. I shouldn't do that, but in in this platform, it, it, he's talked like a guy who expected that to get done. And I think we all do. The plan was pretty clear. Hubbard, Bates, let's go. That was what this camp was going to be about, to put those two contracts to bed. They get a nice deal for Hubbard. 10 mil per, I could could have even seen them giving him a little bit more. But for a Cincinnati guy who uh, went to Ohio State, imagine that. You're from Cincinnati. You play right near here. You come home. You get $40 million. Where do I sign? Yeah. Where do I sign? It was a great, I thought it was a great deal for both sides, really. It seemed to be a nice fit. Reminded me of the Boyd deal from a couple of years ago where everybody kind of walks away happy getting it done before camp starts. And how great was that? How it started, how it, how it ended, or not how it's going. <laughs> Picture of Sam as a young boy in a Bengals, a Bengals shirt with his dad outside the stadium. That was, that was another home run tweet from the, from the Bengals, uh, uh, social media staff. And the, the thing, Kind of reading into the Bates thing, I, I always hearken back. Remember, I think it was 2008. It was. It was 2018, and they signed Gino and Carlos on the same day to these yeah. huge extensions. And that was because Troy worked on one and, and Katie worked on one. And Because I, I asked Duke yesterday where how he would characterize the negotiations with with Jesse, and he said he couldn't because Katie's handling it. So that that alone right there is it's it's already in the works. It's not like there's – they're they're like we're we'll just wait. It 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 always felt like Sam would happen first because he wasn't going to reset the defensive end market. That's that's a nice contract for him. It's not it's not top tier for defensive ends. That that that's going to be the case with Jesse. He's going to reset the market. The Bengals are going to have to decide how much they're willing to pay him above the highest paid safety in the league. No reason to think it won't get done, but it, it makes sense that that Sam was first, and now they can kind of really dig in on on Jesse and and get that done at some point during camp. 
look, they had a money and a money number and an idea set aside before it came in. And honestly, if you told me it was twenty five million for the both of them, I'd say, yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And you know, as far as a per year basis, and if you turn, they're turning to Jesse and saying fifteen, they got the ten out of Sam. You know, Katie's working on both of them together. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesse happen before you listen to this. I mean, you know, I think, yeah. I, I, you know, I think if you're sitting there working both those contracts at the same time because you have an overall number you want to get both those done in between, that's what the money was left there for. That that was the plan. This is the plan. Um, you expect that to get done. I expect that they will get it done. It doesn't make any sense. For Jesse Bates, with a market topper in front of him, to risk playing a year where maybe his play will decrease. I mean, he was great. He was a, as good as he's ever been last year. That uh, where his play could decrease or an injury could happen and, and put that at risk. It doesn't make any sense. And if the Bengals are willing to do it, which uh, it sounds like they are, you would think that gets done and gets done fairly quickly and makes sense for all sides. I have a story that I wrote in December about Jesse Bates wanting to be here long term, loving the idea of it, and and really feeling a fit here. Um, and, and having big ideas of what he can do on and off the field here. So um, that was all part of been a long term part of the plan for him. A guy who transferred over to to get a new agent last year for this very fact because he he's got one of the best in the game in his back pocket now. Let's move on. Injury stuff. Wyatt Hubert, seventh-round pick out of Kansas State, tore his pectoral working out on his own over the break. He's out for the year. Um, fallout from that, you know, I think they drafted him to compete with Khalid Kareem and to be that the last guy as an edge rusher. But they also overdrafted that position. Joseph Osai, KM Sample, both are new there. You have Hendrickson, who replaced Lawson. You know, you've got some depth there. And with Kareem, it doesn't kill – this doesn't kill them. It would have been a fun competition to have on the back of the roster. I also think there's a lot more hope for Khalid Kareem, and that may sound weird. I, I know a lot of us kind of wrote him off last year. He was battling an injury all last year. He never was really able to get strong and play like himself. And then he was thrown out there with this opportunity because everybody was hurt, and he just couldn't really do it. I think there's a lot of hope with a full offseason that you might see a much better version of Khalid Kareem this year. And I think we're gonna he's going to get the chance to prove it because I think this will help him you know, more be more solid in a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, look at how how T. Higgins came on. He had the same thing. He had that injury that kind of derailed him early, and then he came in and got that opportunity and took it, whereas Kareem never really got that. He had the injury that really put him behind in training camp, and he, he never totally healed from it, and he just he, he wasn't able to, like you said, just get in the flow of things. And I mean, they drafted him for a reason. They believe in him. Um, it, this will really open things up for him. Uh, the other thing with Hubert is, I, you know, him and Sample both, I think there was some thought that both of them could move inside where they're really thin at the interior defensive line. So that that may be, you know, it, it's something that it's kind of surprising that they they aren't going after another defensive tackle to to kind of bolster that position. And and maybe now with Hubert going down, they will. But, you know, we you don't get to glean a whole lot from OTAs to see where those guys, they didn't do any 11s, but it. It would have been interesting to see when training camp started how much that those two guys would be moving inside in the rotation. Yeah, it does not appear they they plan on adding any. I mean, we've talked about adding a veteran there at that position, but I think they're going to go with what they got. And, you know, talked to Lou Enermo yesterday, talked about, look, hey, it's it's going to be a competition behind Ogunjobi and Reader, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, there's not a whole lot there, so you're you're looking for somebody to emerge or some plan to emerge. We'll see what turns out there. Um, punter. 
you know, uh, undrafted free agent punter Drew Chrisman has a hand injury. He's going to miss a lot of camp um, in preseason. It pretty much kills that battle. I mean, I think Darren Simmons was laying it out for Chrisman to take it. Look, you can you can take the job from Kevin Huber this year if you can come out and hold and, and prove that you can play well. Well, he hurts his hand, uh, you know, in the in over the break. There goes that. So that looks pretty solid for Kevin Huber there. Um, also. DJ Reader, Trey Hopkins, Joe Burrow, fully cleared. Rennell Wren, I think they expect him to be cleared soon. That was all the big ones that were that were coming off major injuries in the offseason. All fully cleared by day one. Uh, tip of the cap to Nick Cosgray, director of rehab on that, getting all those guys back. Because, uh, you know, a lot of big dudes, uh, a lot of important names uh, with serious injuries. And to all be sta- standing there on day one fully cleared for the most part outside of Wren. Um, a great job by the entire staff there, but Cosgray at the at the tip of it there. Um, we'll get into this when we talk about Burrow more, but Mike Brown basically said no preseason for Burrow. They're going to take it week by week, but I think Mike kind of spilled the beans on that one. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it officially plays out, but for the most part, they, they want there's going to be a, a lot of caution taken there. Uh, so that's part of the news cycle. They had a bunch of visits come in. Uh, re- receiver Reese Horn they signed. If you're into such things, uh, he'll he'll come in and battle for a practice squad spot. They brought in uh, Austin Reader, who's a center uh, from Kansas City, who started there the last couple of years and played in the Super Bowl. Um, it, it would be it, it would be for a very backup role. He came in, worked out, did not sign. Um, they picked up a guy named Lamont Galliard. Uh, from Arizona off waivers who they let go. So it's weird. He's a center. It was weird. They have Trey Hopkins and Billy Price, and they just drafted Trey Hill in the sixth round out of Georgia, who's a center. And then all of a sudden, waivers, Lamont Galliard shows up, and then they're bringing Austin Reader, and then it makes every, what is going on here at center? Well, there's nothing going on. Uh, Hopkins and Price are still solid as your one, two. They just want to ease Hopkins in during camp, and they plan on moving Trey Hill over to guard. So they're looking for bodies. They're looking for people who can take up snaps and maybe find a, find a role at some point uh, during camp camp and through preseason so that's why Galliard's here and why they were kicking the tires on Reader uh, we mentioned the ring of honor Ken and Ken get in that that will all happen uh, on the Thursday game against Jacksonville the 81 team will be in there with them as well all everybody from the 81 team coming back which makes sense with so many players from that team getting honored um, COVID situation the Bengals have less than 10 players without a shot uh, so they're up or going to be up around that 90%, over 90% vaccinated. Uh, that's in the better half of the league. They're in a good spot in that regard. Some other teams are not. I mean, you've got some teams barely over 50%. The Colts have like, you know, 40% unvaccinated without a single shot, and their coach just had a breakthrough uh, positive. So they're, they're, there's a lot of other teams that are dealing with it, but the Bengals are in good shape in that regard. Uh, Paul, we have breaking news. The Bengals just signed another one of those tryout guys from yesterday. <laughs> Gunner <laughs> Vogel. Yeah, Gunner Vogel, a tackle from Northwestern. So there you another... go. Offensive line fixed. Gunner Vogel in the house. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, again, they're looking for guys to take snaps during camp yeah. um, and, and fill those roles. You still have your. They do have depth issues there. I mean, we'll see, but there's nobody's going to be showing up today, and they still have room. Remember that this the Vogel signing puts them up to 87, so they still have three spots left if they want to fill in anybody. Uh, cuts will start to happen over you know the next month, and and you can see them fill stuff in at that point. If if a bigger name gets released from somewhere that maybe fits them, I, I continue to think 
if they don't see what they want to see out of the reserves there on the defensive tackle, I still think that should be an option for them. We'll see if it ends up being, it looks like if that does happen, it would be a final cuts type of thing. Sorry, I had to use my, my coffee bender and talk so fast there. There's a lot of news. It's a lot of news. <laughs> you know, maybe the, the one that really stood out to me yesterday was the vaccines. To, to be just all those guys and to have less than 10 unvaccinated. When when Zach canceled the last day of minicamp and it was on the promise that guys would get vaccinated. At that point, they were at 53% had had a shot. And they're, they're trying to get to the 85 number. And I, I, I think it was around 75 he needed to commit. To, to they had a vaccine a vaccination event on that Wednesday. It was supposed to be the last day. You know, there there's a a lot of guys I'm sure showed up to that. A lot of guys promised to maybe get it when they're out on their their summer vacations. If you if you didn't have one by June, you, you it wasn't because you couldn't get one. It was because you were opposed to it. And whether it was buying in and, and realizing the the advantage that this will give you or whether it was the the pressure from the league with with what the what the season's going to look like whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated i mean to have the bengals be up around 90 percent that that is for a team that has so many competitive disadvantages mainly the roster that's that's a huge competitive advantage that you still have teams that are under 50 percent um and i i think that can be a really big deal now we'll we'll see how it plays out once they get down to the 53 and how many of those guys but to to be able to have full weight room and and to be able to have in-person practices and in in meetings and all that not practice but in-person meetings it's that it's a team that needs any advantage it can get and that's that can be a pretty big one this this offseason or this preseason All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. You know what's another advantage for this team, Jay? What's that? Having Joe Burrow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's dive into Joe Burrow. Uh, so, fully cleared, which we expected. Like anybody that was listening to us before the specialty break, um, you know, he, it was almost a non-story how good he looked and the expectations of him to be fully cleared uh, on day one and to be all set and full go for the opener. That's that's what it is. I mean. Hell of a rehab, man. I mean, look, <laughs> we can talk all we want to about you know who he is and his work ethic and the expectations. When he went off on that cart in Washington, if I'd have told you he'd be fully cleared and ready to go for the first day of training camp, man, you'd be you'd have your eyes wide open. I mean, you remember remember you remember the 
the reaction. Oh, I mean, 2021's in doubt as a season mm. and and what could happen? I mean, it was from from the very beginning to, you know, Dr. Neil Altrash doing the surgery to the way he attacked the rehab, I, I think, you know, it's just another way that he wins people over. And and here he is now, week one, uh, gonna be the starter and fully fully cleared for camp. Um, I wanna start here before we start talking about it. Let's let's let you hear from them. I got two people here. One, I, I Mike Brown, we had we had not talked to Mike Brown since Joe Burrow played a game with the Bengals. And in fact, it's been two years since we've been able to ask him a question uh, uh, about such things. So it was interesting to hear him for the first time talk about what we hear everybody talk about, which is how Joe Burrow has has a, changed everything for this organization. So it's, it's Mike Brown on Joe Burrow and kind of everything that comes along with that. And then after that, offense coordinator Brian Callahan talking about what this next month needs to look like for their quarterback as they try to figure out how to get a guy um, ready for week one and, and with this injury and without making anybody nervous about how they're getting him ready for week one with this injury. So uh, here's uh, Bengals president Mike Brown and offense coordinator Brian Callahan. He has won over everybody uh, with this team, uh, me included. And uh, he does it with his intensity. Uh, he focuses on learning his responsibilities, carrying them out in a way that uh, other players see and, and want to emulate. Uh, he has real effort there, and when this happened, he had the same effort uh, with uh, rehabilitation. That's a hard injury to uh, rebound from, an ACL. And uh, he'll still be going through some of that. Uh, we probably aren't going to put him out there until we get to the season because we don't want to risk anything with him. But his effort uh, rehabbing was A+. Plus, and uh, our people are all cognizant of it. They appreciate him doing that, working as hard as he did, because we're dependent on him. And uh, we're counting on him being ready to roll. I think he will be when it counts. Does his intensity remind you of anyone? Yeah, Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> he's got a unique intensity, honestly. Uh, I would say uh, uh, Drew Brees had that, for example. And they just zero in on what they're doing. And uh, you can say the same for that old quarterback at Tampa. What's his name, Brady? <laughs> but, and I'm not equating Joe to those guys because those guys have uh, gone through long, successful careers. But he does have one thing they have, and that is unusual focus and intensity. What's the most important thing that you're looking at for this camp, for, for, for him, that you want to see from him? First things first would be confidence that he feels like he is ready to go play. Um, that there's no thought about the injury, there's no thought about being in the pocket, being live. Um, that's a process that takes time. So, got to get back in 11 on 11 drills, got to be able to get consecutive days of practice to put together. 
Um, I think that's the probably the number one most important thing is is ready, ready with confidence in his knee and is be able to go perform without having to worry about anything. So that's the biggest thing from anybody coming back from from a big injury. Uh, and it'll be no different for Joe. I think just to see his confidence grow, uh, getting ready to go play football. How do you create comfort? in a lot with a live passion. Is that even a possible thing to do in this situation? Uh, not to the degree you would want to do it. Yeah. Because we'll still, just like every quarterback in history, you'll yell at all those guys all day long to stay away from them. Um, and that's just the way it is. So it's going to have to come from a, a little bit more from him mentally than it's going to be from us being able to create that. Uh, but I think that he's in a good place now. I think he's got a lot of confidence going forward as it is. Uh, it's something that he does not lack in general. Um, so I, I'm, I feel good about where he's at, and then it's just going to be a process of, of getting through, you know, 11-on-11. 11 11 it, it, there's Everyone's a step. It's the first time he's in 11-on-11 11 11, uh, since since the, the middle of the season, and then it's going to be the first time that uh, now now nobody's around him, and then you just kind of incrementally increase those things. So uh, it, it does. It'll take, it'll take the bulk of training camp, I would imagine. All right, I I I in I enjoyed Mike Brown's, you know, he's he's won everybody over including me and then the talking about the you know the 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 insane intensity that he has and not comparing him to the greats but that trait and I think that's the thing that resonates with everybody that that has the massive tidal wave ripple effect throughout the locker room is is the intensity with which he shows up every day, the way that he works, the way he attacks the moment. You know, when everyone's looking to him, and they are, uh, mm-hmm. they just emulate that, and that's what can really make a team play different. That's how that's how Brady has done that everywhere he's gone. Everyone follows his lead. Everyone listens to his voice, and it makes a difference, and I thought Mike was pretty good talking about that. And it's, I mean – it's not like Joe Burrow had already won over most of these guys or all of these guys last year before the injury, but these guys have gone through rehabs like that before they know what it's like. And to, to see him attack it the way he did and and as successfully as he did and be back and, and look like the old Joe Burrow and OTAs, I think it just takes it to another level. It's, it's something that, you know, it it can't be understated. If, if if that's the guy you're counting on to to lead you to where you want to go, having everybody bought in early and then have it just continually ramp up and ramp up and ramp up with, with everything he does. I mean, it just, it just shows you what, what can happen if, if Joe Burrow's presence and his return start leading to this team, winning some games early on, it just feels like this thing can really take off. Yeah. And so as far as what's going to happen over the next month, one interesting thing that I thought we heard yesterday was, was, you know, Zach Taylor sort of saying, look, there might be a few days in there where he goes and, and and goes back over and works on the side with Nick Cosgray to just make sure his rehab is staying where it needs to be, whether it's just a day of that's focused solely on strengthening the knee or the quad or whatever they're doing um, and, and, and taking him away from doing a day of reps. And, and you know, the important days of reps, he's going to be out there. But if it's a day that's mostly special teams and they're doing some soft stuff and you can sneak in a rehab day, <clears throat> it sounds like that's something – they want to do, which makes all the sense in the world. You can't just forget about the rehab because you're fully cleared. You still want to stay on top of that. But the stuff that Brian was talking about, um, about how how do you find confidence in feeling the rush and and confidence in your knee? 
That's a that's a tough one, and it's gonna the the feel as you go aspect of that is going to be interesting to watch as camp and preseason unfold. I mean, everybody talked about what a disadvantage last year was for rookies not having a preseason. It now all of a sudden looks like an advantage because it's Joe Burrow's going to, in all likelihood, ninety nine percent. It seems like from what they were saying yesterday that he's going to go into this season without preseason again. So it's it's. You ideally you would like him to get that live rush and kind of have not get hit, but have bodies around his feet and and be able to to build that confidence in the knee. But it's it just it's not worth the risk. Anything can happen in, in preseason, and there, there's nothing on the line. It just it is going to be interesting to see. They're not going to. It's not going to be live rush where they're going to hit him in training camp. But they. It's not going to be bubble wrap like it was in OTAs. I mean, there's going to be guys running in, getting close to him. He's going to have at least traffic around his legs, and it, he's just going to have to feel it out like he did in in week one last year. And they, he got hit pretty hard on the seventh snap uh, of that Chargers opener last year, and you you get that first one out of the way and you move on. And I think, that's, I think everybody's going to be holding their breath uh, when he takes the first couple hits of, of the season. But there's just – it doesn't make any sense to to expose him to that in the preseason, um, no matter how important it feels that he he get used to it. It reminds me of when we used to watch camp and Tyler Eifert was healthy, <laughs> and you'd watch one play where he would jump up to catch a ball and happen to fall to the ground or something, and everybody'd be like, "Is he going to get up?" Like, I mean, you know, like he's just going to break, you know. And I think that's the way people will be as. You know, whenever the game, when the games start, and will be as we watch camp too, as anybody gets near him. I'm worried about Trey Hendrickson. <laughs> We've heard stories. Cat Terrell, our colleague in uh, in New Orleans, who also has has been up here in Cincinnati before, has told us stories about Trey Hendrickson being just an insane person in practice to the point that it would piss everybody else off that he wouldn't be stop being so intense, even in supposed, supposed to be not intense. Is Trey Hendrickson going to get a little aggressive and get near Joe Burrow? I don't know. Worried about Trey Hendrickson. Just want that. I just want to say that. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so that's sort of the plan for Burrow, and all looks good there. Again, you know, Mike kind of spilling the beans a little bit that I think they don't plan to play him in preseason. But um, I, the interesting point that that Zach made about that is, it's not like this is like last year. I mean, he has ten games under his belt. It, if you're talking about the mental aspect, I mean. Is there some? Is there a, a young quarterback that we should worry less about the mental aspect than Joe Burrow? I mean, yeah. is there one thing that he's proven to us at this point? Is is that that's his supreme strength, and and how long would it really take him to adjust to that? Maybe a little bit, and maybe that will be the case. Um, but I don't know that there's any way that you can really do it other than just look, go out there and deal with it against Minnesota, um, and and honestly, while you're trying to figure out the line, is no time to be. Sticking right. Burrow out there, okay, because they're still going to be trying to figure out the line at that point. A line uh, that Mike Brown thinks will surprise some people. I think he meant it in a good way. Yeah, but you never know. <laughs> I hope it's, I hope it doesn't surprise people in a bad way. We'll get to that in the 53, man. Uh, let's talk a few more things that were said on Monday. And, you know, a lot of the conversation, obviously, at this point, centers around the head coach, centers around his staff. Can they do it? Because we're entering year three. The clock is ticking. 
you had another encouraging offseason, another time where the the roster, really now for the first time, it feels like this is Zach Taylor's team. In fact, Mike even called it this is his team. Uh, it was – I have to double-check my numbers. I wrote them in the story. I believe it was 17 of the 87 players have – uh, played for were here before Zach. That's it. I mean, you're talking about a very small number at this point, and so it is his team. This is the group that he has had two years to kind of figure out how it worked. It should have taken this long. This is something you could have done in one year, but the Bengals don't operate that way. They're they they move slower with that thing, and and it's, this was not a hard reset. They did a slow reset, and so you now end up here where this is kind of what they've built for. All the all the. You know, we heard a lot of excuses made, and many of them, I mean, a lot of them valid, some self-inflicted, um, made about why the last two years went the way they did. You know, the extreme injuries and, the you know, you, you start late as a coaching staff and you're kind of behind the eight ball. You're learning the roster in year one. Year two, you end up with this COVID season. you got a rookie quarterback. You're, you know, you're you're trying to put all the stuff together on the fly with with no in person, all those all those excuses that we've heard, another year of extreme injuries, and obviously once Burrow goes down, it changes everything. Now, just all that dust has cleared. You know, we talked earlier. You you have all your main guys fully cleared, ready to go. Joe Burrow fully cleared, ready to go. You've added Jamar Chase. You, you've got your weapons. You know, you figured out that okay, well, AJ Green isn't it. So now you've got all your weapons for your franchise quarterback and the young. You know, offensive guru head coach with a great relationship with said quarterback. This is what you envisioned. This was the vision sold in 2019 at that first press conference. You, you, this is what you wanted: a franchise quarterback and a young offensive-minded head coach that can grow together as your core. And you know, you've got you've built this defense. Uh, with who you want to have in there. You've been aggressive in free agency. You've spent money on younger players. You've stopped relying on guys in their 30s. You've done all these things, everything that you said you had to do. And here it is. This is it. And that's all fine and good. And everything that's been sold about how this is what will work is fine. But I thought it was pretty clear from Mike Brown on down, specifically from Mike, It's you can't talk about it anymore. This is it. This is the opportunity. Here is Mike Brown on Zach Taylor, and then Zach Taylor on the time being now. Mike, how would you define or measure progress? Um, is there a win number you define it by or measure it by, or is it something you would just see? Well, we know how it's uh, measured publicly. Uh, you better win. That, that, that's how the public will measure us. Uh, are there things beyond that? There are. And you can see progress with the quarterback and the pass offense. You uh, want to see progress with protection. Uh, we want to get more pressure on the passer, all those things. And do we note those? Yes. But uh, when you get down to the end, it comes down to uh, wins and losses. And that's where we know we have to show better. Mike, what, what have you seen in terms of growth from Zach Taylor, and, and what are your hopes and dreams for Zach this year as he, as he enters season number three? Well, Zach is a very uh, smart, good, young coach. Uh, he's had a couple years to uh, get his feet on the ground, get established. Uh, we've got a team that is 
three quarters his players, new players that have come since he came. Uh, it's his team now. And uh, my hope is the same as his hope, which is to have a winning team. And we all have the same goal, which is to have a Super Bowl winning team. We know how hard that is. We have yet to manage that. And we've been trying for a long while. So uh, for him, uh, he's aware of all this that we're talking about now, obviously. And uh, uh, he's, he's got this opportunity. It's critical to him and us both. I really uh, feel good about our chances, but I'm fully aware that uh, you have to go out on the field and prove it. You can't just talk about it. Well, you just, you, you've been around these players for a long time, you know, and, and you feel better, I think, every single time. Every year passes when you're here, you feel better about the, the players around the league and who you want to add and who's the right fit for you. Um, and so certainly in year three, you feel that way. I think it's always going to, every year is going to feel that way a little bit more and more. But we've got great relationships with these guys in the locker room. Uh, feel like you really know know them well on and off the field at this point. What, what makes them tick and how to talk to them, how to coach them. And, and uh, what helps them reach their potential. And so it's a really good locker room, really happy with it. It's all on paper. we got to go out there on the field and prove it. Uh, but, but I like our starting point. What kind of urgency do you feel, Zach, uh, this year going into year three? Extreme urgency. You know, I thought, you know, my, this, these things are always optimistic. You, you, everything looks, looks cheery right now, of course. However, you know, I, Mike is not going to be filtered. Uh, Mike is not going to, he's not going to sugarcoat anything necessarily. And I thought he was pretty clear. This is your, this is the opportunity. And I don't think that was him saying win now or bust, but the, the urgency, or as Zach said, the extreme urgency is, was obvious in what he was saying. It, it is critical for him and for us that the wins happen now. You, we have to prove it. This is a team that just spent all offseason talking about reconnecting with their fan base and the need to connect with their fan base and bring everybody back in. The excitement level is high. The belief is high. They have the quarterback, right? It has to be wins now. It has to be wins now. Or else or else you have to start thinking about other stuff and i think that was that was kind of where mike was going there but i mean cuz because everyone everyone sees it on paper Zach said it's there on paper you know so i think when you talk about it that way it's just at a certain point you have built what you said you can do now you have to do it or else or else yeah a lot of what mike said you could read in in previous stories from previous years about you know we've let our fans down and this we expect to win. Um, we haven't done a good job, but there was there was there was that that little bit there where you you could he he wasn't he didn't express the urgency the way Zach did, but he's not going to paint himself into a corner that way. But it was still there was a there was the, a, enough difference there where you really did feel it that that this is it. This is the year. It's his team. This is what what they've been waiting for. Um, he, he wasn't going to put a number on it as far as number of wins, that kind of thing. He never would do that, but it, it, there, there was enough there. I, I wonder, I have not done this yet and I probably won't do it, but I, I wonder what the comments look like on your story because there are so many of those Mike quotes. Like I said, you could, 
you could plug those in in, in a year. It sounds a lot of what he says sounds the same from year to year, but but if if you really look at it, that there there was enough of a difference there to to show that that the urgency is there. He's he's not the over caffeinated where he's just going to come out and be dynamic in an interview. But Zach was. I mean, to, to when asked about how urgent it is, and that the start of that quote would say an extreme urgency. I mean, that just that just laid it down right there. They, he feels it. Um, I'm sure the, the the players feel it. Um, they know nobody wants to go through another coaching upheaval and, and a new staff, and they've spent all this time learning this system. Uh, I, the urgency is where it needs to be. That's 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 the positive sign. You you wonder though what you know if it if it we always talk about the confidence of all these players and you know how it can kind of take off if they get off to a good start. What happens if it goes the other way? What happens if it's one and four, two and five to start the season? The does it does it truly play out that it was urgent and and changes start to come into play before the season ends? We'll all learn together, you know. I, <laughs> but I, I, you know, it, it it look when you start talking about, you know, we've disappointed our fans and we've got to show give our fans that hope. We've got to show that this is that it is moving in the right direction. You know, I always hearken back to when they finally did move on from Marvin. I mean, when we talked, asked Mike why this was the time to move on from Marvin. One of the first things he mentioned was the fans and the empty seats and the empty suites and the fact that they didn't believe in it anymore. And that matters. It matters to Mike. It matters to the bottom line. It matters to everything. You know, it's a business. <laughs> Bengals fans don't need to be reminded of that. And so <laughs> if, if that's what it comes down to in this year where the fans are now back, and if it if it, you can't win them back or prove to them that that hope should should exist that on the field sounds as optimistic as on paper that's when that's when mike starts considering doing things that nobody wants to do nobody wants to see happen um but we'll you know we'll we'll see how that plays out and I, I, you know people ask me all the time what's it going to take for Zach to keep his job and and what it, <laughs> I don't I'm not going to get into that game. I don't I don't know. I can't I I try to know as much as I can about this team. I don't know what is going on in Mike Brown's head about his patience level with all of this. I know the history. You know, I know he has gotten rid of coaches in in midseason before. It has happened. He has always wanted to wait till the test ends as he said uh in the TV portion yesterday. Um Mike is his own guy and he's going to make that decision on his own. And I don't know. I do know what he said yesterday. This is critical for him and us. This is his opportunity. I, I believe people when they tell me what they tell me, you know, and I, and I've always believed Mike, Mike is not going to sit there and blow smoke up your ass or lie to you. Um, that's not his way. Um, and so, I, you know, that's, that's the answer to that question. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend to know, but I, you know, I, I believe what Mike said yesterday and what you just heard him say here. Uh, I want to finish with Duke Tobin talking about why, you know, really the last two years, I think 
have built maybe even a little bit more of a belief in in what Zach Taylor is doing and, and a little bit about the direction of the team. Here is Bengals director of player personnel and de facto GM, Duke Tobin. What are you learning about Zach Taylor over the last three seasons? He's resilient. He's smart. Um, uh, he's able to adapt. Uh, we've had some uh, really tough situations for, for a new head coach, you know, you're talking, you're talking COVID, you're talking no preseason, you're talking uh, a, a, a late start his first year, I mean, but he can adapt and overcome to, uh, situations, which is really impressive. I think he's got a very flexible and, uh, and bright mind, and I think he relates well to the players, and I think his relationship with Joe is front and center on that, and, uh, and, and that's what you have to have. You've got you to have the ability to be flexible and forward-thinking, and I've seen that in him. Does that kind of set up this year where it feels like finally have everything feeling normal with the pieces in place that you want for this kind of for Zach's to really kind of take off? Yeah, you know, it's great to have a quarterback that you believe can take you to uh, the championship. And we believe that in Joe. And we've got pieces around him that we feel really good about both offensively and we think we've got a defense. If it can stay healthy and we don't have to play with our eighth and ninth and tenth defensive tackle and, you know, sixth corner and all the things, you know, if we can stay healthy on defense, I think that unit can come together and I think we can pressure and cover, which is what you have to do in this league. And, uh, you know, I think Joe's mixing is, is set for to have a really good season. You know, he's got to stay healthy, but it, it, I think he can have a really good season. I think we can be balanced and pretty dynamic on offense. So, um, you know, everybody's very positive on, on where, we're, where we're heading right now. All right, good to hear from Duke Tobin there. Uh, speaking of Duke, I mean, it's now the direction of the team and a lot of it has been put – he put it together, but now it's in his hands to watch it, uh, watch it happen, try to pick spots where he can help. Uh, or not help um, as they go forward. I, we're going to drag through, a, take a look at his job over the next month here, and that is the 53-man coming together. I think we have a really good handle on it right now. Um, it, I think it feels cl- pretty clear, so we're just going to blow through this real quick. Maybe some of you are just coming back after the off season and just want a quick recap. We're just going to kind of drop that in for you and run through our thoughts on all of it. Quarterback, pretty easy. Joe Burrow, backup Brandon Allen. They have Kyle Shermer and Eric Dungy here too um, that will be trying to fight for a practice squad spot. They'll just use two quarterback spots this year, the end. Running back, Joe Mixon is your starter. Um, you know, a lot of questions about what's going to happen to Gio Bernard's snaps, right? I mean, Jay, we've been talking about it all offseason. This is going to be the year of Mixon. They want it to be the year where Joe Mixon is a volume and efficiency beast, and he's going to be out there on third downs. He's going to be running it. He's going to be doing everything. Yeah, but you, you they they say that, but it, the fact still remains. In September, those games are hot. You wonder if they do try to ease Chris Evans in a little bit and give him some more some more third down snaps and, and get him going in the passing game. Um, it. It, it it sounds good to say Mixon's going to have more carries, more targets, more catches, more snaps, all that. That that'll play out at the end of the year. But I, I still, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised with him. He, he's fully clear, just like Joe Burrow. But coming off the injury, if they ride him that hard to start the season, I I, I would. 
and just the matter of getting a, a rookie involved and, and getting Chris Evans comfortable. I just, I think maybe we'll see Joe Mixon's production if he stays healthy, be up in that range where they really want it to be in November and December, um, and, and kind of and ease into it more than just come out of the gate and have him play ninety percent of the snaps. Yeah, I you know I think uh, you know a series for Samaje or in the first half, you know here and there just a spell and then yeah Evans sneaking in on some thirds if he plays well in the preseason I mean you see this every year especially a running back guy shows some dynamic playmaking in the preseason you want to find a spot to give him a couple of chances to keep him involved in the regular season absolutely you can see that because by the way if Mixon gets hurt you're looking at probably more of a true rotation of P. Ryan and Evans that we saw last year from Mixon and Bernard so um, you know, that's going to be something they're going to want to have in the game plan anyway. Big preseason for Travion Williams trying to hang on. You know, certainly no guarantees that he hangs on as the fourth running back if they want to add on to other positions like receiver or whatever. So um, he needs to show something at some point uh, and, and prove that he can be a guy. He really was hurt last year by not being a preseason because for running backs – that's your only real chance to prove yourself is, is when it's live. Uh, so that's the setup for that. Uh, Jacques Patrick also still here. Um, you may be not- noticing a name missing from that, and that is Puka Williams, who they're kind of basically moving to receiver. They love his hands. He's obviously super dynamic in space. He's basically a hybrid. I mean, you create a package for a guy like that because he's just too small to play running back. He's tiny. And so you want to create something where maybe he does – you know, end arounds, jet sweeps, things like that can go line up outside in a slot position. And you're kind of, he's almost like a gadget guy that you can give a sub package to and then be your punt returner too. That gives you a little bit more of a fun weapon with that six receiver spot. If he can win it over, he's got to go prove that he could win it. And so if Puka can do that, it would come at, at a receiver spot, but like, you know, you could see if Travion doesn't, doesn't impress, you could keep seven receivers and one of them's Puka and he's kind of like one of each, you know, mm-hmm. so you can kind of play around there. But at receiver right now, I have it at six. Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. You may have heard of them. Then reserves, Auden Tate, Mike Thomas. Right now I have Trent Taylor. And but again, that six spot backup slot punt returner is all kind of a in together thing. And then so Puka Williams, Trent Nerwin. Riley Lee, Scotty Washington, Stanley Morgan are all sort of on the outside looking in here now, but I think you can you could see that go a number of different directions just for that last spot, depending on how preseason looks. One of the true up for grab spots, I think. Yeah, I think everybody. I'm with you. I think Trent Taylor is the 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 one kind of the leader to have that last spot right now because he has the experience. And and um, I can't remember if it was Brian or Zach said that earlier that that you know that that's key that he has he's done it in the league, but. This is what camp is for. If Puka comes out and he is as dynamic as everyone expects him to be, um, you could easily see him taking that spot from Trent Taylor. And the other thing, too, is you know it doesn't mean he's gone if he doesn't win the spot. We're, it's 16-man practice squads again, and he was undrafted. And the odds of somebody plucking him if, if the Bengals try to – sneak him through to the, the practice squad are, are pretty remote. Um, so he's, he's, he's going to have chance to grow and, and become, like you said, that, that multidimensional weapon in this offense. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing you got to remember is so much of this. And we, 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 everyone's got their 53 man projections like this and, and, and trying to figure out the roster. I mean, most of these guys are not going to get plucked 
that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and, and they're just going to be sitting there, and as soon as an injury or their needed happens, boom, the ease to move up and down that was created last year, they're keeping those rules. So, you know, you it's just so much easier for guys on the practice squad to collect game checks and get moved up to the active roster on game day that guys want to leave less. You know what I mean? Like they're – they they want to stay on practice squads and they they because they know where they've been and where they've been kind of putting their money in is the best place to stay for a chance to come up and I think Puka could be a good example of that and keep that in mind as all these cuts happen over the course of the next month. Um, tight end C.J. Uzama is the starter. Drew Sample is the backup, and then I have Thaddeus Moss in there as the third tight end right now. They they kept three tight ends last year. Um, it's kind of the nature of this offense is going to be, is just going to do that because they're going to be much more, uh, receiver based. Um, I don't really know who wins that last tight end spot. It's very wide open with a bunch of, you know, Mason Shrek, Mitchell Wilcox, pro Wells, Cheyenne O'Grady, if any of that does anything for you. I mean, they're all kind of the same thing. And as much as they want to, you know, they like having Moss here cause he is buddies with Burrow from their LSU days. That's nice. Um, but He's a guy that was undrafted and is now on his second team, and who knows what that will actually be. I don't. He certainly is not some locked-in guy that's going to make the team at all. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that battle plays out. Yeah, that that's going to be a, a Darren Simmons call. That that spot, that third tight end spot, is going to come down to who's who's best on special teams, maybe more so than who's most dynamic or who's best buddies with Joe Burrow. It would be nice if if Thaddeus Moss and Joe Burrow start showing a great connection in training camp, but. You know, Mason Shrek, they've leaned on heavily in, on special teams, but he's he's got an injury history. So it's just it's one of those things we're just going to have to see how it plays out, who who really kind of stands out on special teams. And they're you mentioned it in the piece. They're in 11 personnel so much. It's 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 not a throwaway position, but it's it's maybe one of the, the, the least important of those those final roster spots. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. To the offensive line. So let's we'll spend a little bit of time here. Um, left tackle Jonah Williams, left guard Quentin Spain, center Trey Hopkins, right guard Xavier Suofilo, right tackle Riley Reef. That's my projection right now. I think Carmen's going to take time. I think the feeling is that, look, it's he's going to need to prove it. He's going to have to have a really great camp to beat out a couple of guys with experience. You're talking about week one, protecting Joe Burrow's knee. Do you want a rookie who's not played the position before playing in his first game? Or do you want to let him kind of hang out in the background a little bit and figure things out and put in somebody who has, I don't have the top of my head, how many games Xavier Suofilo has been in or quit in Spain, but they have a lot of starts in the NFL. They're a little bit more solid and predictable off the top. I think that's where that lands. Um, so then your reserves end up being Fred Johnson, Dante Smith, Michael Jordan, Carmen, and Billy Price with on the outside looking in Isaiah Prince, Keaton Sutherland, Trey Hill, Lamont Galliard, and I guess now Gunner. 
Vogel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now in that mix, uh, Hakeem Hakeem Adeniji also with the pectoral injury that he had that he did um, away from the facility in, on the NFI, and he'll go on IR too. So two pectorals, both of them happening out when the Bengals are not working with you. Man, if you're a player. <laughs> Might want to be a little more careful on what you're doing in staying within the team program because we're we're seeing this happen a couple of times now. Um, okay, Jay, you got some stats on Frank Pollock and rookies, right? I do. Yes, he's um, he's been an offensive line coach, a head offensive line coach in the league since 2015. So I went back and looked how many times he went with a rookie. Um, in, in all these situations are different. I, I didn't dive deep enough to see who the established starters were and all that type of thing. Just how many times he used a rookie right off the bat. And there were, there were two. Um, one was Makai Becton last year for the Jets. And he was the number one, number 11 overall pick. So yeah, you're going to throw him in there. He started 13 games for the Jets. Um, the, the other time he did it, he started a season with a rookie was Billy Price here in 2018. He started him at center. Billy Price played a couple games, hurt his foot, um, missed six games, came back and and played the rest of the season. I, I keep hearkening back to when they hired Frank, how I reached out to Billy and how excited he was um, to get Frank back. And if everybody remembers, Billy Price lost that, starting job the following off season when he was hurt and Trey Hopkins had this great training camp. He, it, it's not totally out of the realm of the possibility that it could flip this year. Um, it, with them taking it slow with Trey, it's more opportunities for Billy. Um, it, it It's going to be something I wouldn't bet on it, but it, it's going to be something interesting to watch the other times. Um, they, they also, it was uh, Shuma Idoga who uh, a third round pick in 2019 with the Jets, um, he wasn't even active for the first two games and their line was so bad and they said, screw it, stick the rookie in there. He ended up starting eight games that year. Um, he, 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 in 16 and 17 with the Cowboys, no rookies, no surprise there. One of the best offensive lines in the league. There just wasn't room for a rookie to crack it. Um, Lyle, I, I can never say this guy's name pro properly. Is it Lyle, Lyle Collins? Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins. He, I mean, projected number one overall pick in the nightmare scenario where he's attached to a double homicide. He, he goes undrafted. The Cowboys grab him. Um, all the talent in the world, everybody, like I said, expect him to be a number one pick. Uh, Frank still didn't. And this isn't all Frank's start, it, all Frank's call. It's the head coach. It's the offense coordinator, all that. But it, it Frank has a big impact input on that and they didn't start Collins until week three that year. Um and that was only due to an injury. So he he does he does have some history starting rookies, but the two things that you mentioned uh, I think are a big reason why we're not going to see Jackson Carmen start the season. And it, it's it's the Joe Burrow injury possibility. I mean we saw last year with Michael Jordan it takes one leak. And yes, Burrow's getting hit all year, but it wasn't a cumulative thing that that shredded his knee. It was one hit. Um, do do you want to trust a rookie? And it's not just him. It's it's the entire line trying to come together and mesh. Most of these, not most of these guys, but six or seven of these guys weren't even on the team last year. Um, so they're feeling each other out. And then the and the other situation too is 
important is that he's switching positions. As you mentioned, he's never played guard in his life, not in high school, not in Pop Warner. He's been the biggest guy on the field his whole life. He's been a tackle. He's been a dominating left tackle young in his career. He was, he was really good at Clemson. Um, there, it's just, it, it's a little too much to ask for a rookie to come in play a new position when you have so much invested in, in the guy that he's blocking for. Um, it, 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 they're going to have to wait and see how fast he can develop. Maybe he has a great camp and they do start him. But as we sit here today, as you, Paul, made your projection of 53, it, it, it feels like it's going to be a Suofilo or maybe one of those other guys. But, but I think Carmen watches for a couple games before he tries to, or before he's able to crack the lineup. Yeah. Um, you know, again, offensive line going to be fun to watch. There's competition everywhere inside there. And so, I mean, every spot, um, outside of Williams and Reef is going to be, you know, could be anybody. And and it's going to be a lot about how quickly do they figure out who that is, how quickly do they get them playing together, and how confident are they week one. All I know is I just envision Mike Zimmer looking at their line week one and saying, rookie, really? Let's go. Stunts, <laughs> twists, everything Zim has in his bag designed to trying to expose a guy who's never played right guard before. I want somebody out there who's played a lot and seen a lot in this league more than I want a rookie against a Zim defense in week one. That's me. That's me watching Mike Zimmer own people a lot over the course of my career and, and just wanting somebody who can mentally, you know they can go out there and handle it week one. That's just the way I feel about it. Defense. Um Defensive line, I got him keeping 10. Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, Larry Ogunjobi, Trey Hendrickson as your starters. I think that's pretty blocked in. Um, behind that, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Joseph Asai, Tyler Shelvin, and Cam Sample as your rookies. You have veteran Mike Daniels, who's right now your backup to Larry Ogunjobi. And that's not a guy who got a lot of pressure in his opportunities last year. Um, and then you have Josh Tupo, and then you have Khalid Kareem, who we met talked about a, a little bit uh, earlier. Um, outside looking in right now, Rennell Wren as he works through his injury stuff. Uh, Freedom Akinmoladun, uh, Amani Bledsoe, Cleo McKenzie, and then injured, hey, we mentioned Wyatt Hubert. Um, you know, to me, it's the if you're looking about depth holes, that's the one. It's just I wrote about it when I did I did player war last week and uh, exercises I like to do really just for myself too every year to really get a good grasp of the roster of what can they really af- least afford to lose, what spot would hurt them the most. Not one because a player is very good, but two because the drop off is massive and the impact of a position can be massive. So Joe Mixon not in my top ten because the position of running back not necessarily as impactful, even though he's a very good player. Whereas Larry Ogunjobi, a very good player, but the drop off is huge behind him. They don't have anybody really who can rush the passer beyond him, and then the fallout of not having interior pass rush again for the second straight year would be really huge. So I had him as the you know I think I had him as number two guy behind the obvious of Joe Burrow as far as you just can't afford to lose him. I look at that here. I mean to me that's the one spot on the roster that sticks out that's still kind of hanging out there where if something happens, to Larry Ogunjobi, who who I think we should rightfully have very high expectations for. There could be problems there. Yeah, R- Rennell Wren is the real wild card for me because it. We, we talk all the time about the sex, the sex that they've had with mid round defensive linemen, and he was a fourth round pick. They were really high on. He's just he's had this injury bug, and if 
if this quad is behind him and we've never really seen him unleash, so to speak, it, it feels he could be, if healthy, he could be a key piece in that rotation. Um, but you just, you can't count on it right now, but he's close. He's on pup right now, but that, that could change or they could, they could play it slow with him and, and maybe put him on pup to start the season and, and have that extra roster spot available it, it, it just, I, I feel like there's a lot of upside there still, but the, the injury history is super concerning. And if he does have a healthy training camp, it could, it could really change the dynamic there with the interior of the line. Yep. Uh, linebackers uh, currently have them keeping five, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt as the, the starters, your nickel starters, uh, and then reserves Akeem Davis, Gaither, Jordan Evans, and Marcus Bailey with outside looking in, Joe, ba- Joe Baki, Darius Hodge, Keandre Jones. Uh, you know, we t- sort of asked Lou Anarumo about this yesterday, and his point was it's really wide open. I mean, I think you can write in Logan Wilson, but after that, I don't think you can write in anything. Um, I think, you know, Jermaine Pratt will make the team. These guys will make the team. But as far as playing time, I think that's TBD. They're, you know, they hope for some year two leaps happening here from Wilson and Gaither and from Bailey. And, you know, the the rest of them, Evans is really a, a special teams guy they wanted to keep around and, and he can play some linebacker for you. Pratt, I mean, look. Now or never, man. Like you got, it's time. You got. You're either a guy or it's time to sit right now. And so I think there's a lot to be determined there outside of Logan Wilson, uh, but there's not really a whole lot of options. It's still a pretty weak spot on the club. You know, we do these fifty meet three man rosters all the time. You and I have been doing them for years. We do it in the preseason. We do it at the end of the season. We do it around the draft. We do it after free agency. I think this is the first time. Either you or I have not cut Jordan Evans. <laughs> every year we cut him, and every year he sticks around and carves a role on special teams and makes plays here and there on defense. Um, what is this year five for him? Four yeah, or five? He, he, and yeah, he just finished his rookie year contract. He, yep. So uh, that's, uh, I'm sure he was happy to see that that we. He's finally made the team in in a fifty three man roster projection. Yeah, and it's nothing personal. It's very nice no. guy. I've always really liked yeah. talking to Jordan, but it's just it's been a weird spot where they're always talking about turnover at the linebacker spot. They never seem to ever give him playing time, so you just wonder when that's going to turn. But you know, maybe he's the next for them. Vinny Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Seathan Carter. These guys were really great on special teams and can contribute for you on defense. I'm sure Jordan Evans hoping to contribute a little bit more on defense or at least have that opportunity. Preseason also another chance for him to do that. Uh, corners. Trey Waynes, Chidobi Awuzie, Mike Hilton, Darius Phillips, Eli Apple, Tony Brown I have in. But really that last spot, I mean, that Tony Brown has in, I think is pretty wide open. The top five are pretty solid. Uh, outside looking at Donnie Lewis, Jalen Davis, Winston Rose, Antonio Phillips, if that does anything for you, uh, maybe they can, some of them, one of those guys can show up. I mean, Jalen Davis has had some moments uh, in games. Maybe one of those guys can show up and take a spot. Um, it's pretty much a competition there, but I think your top five are are in. Yeah, Tony Brown, I think, is the, you, you hit it right there with him being that last spot because he, he, is, he is a pretty good gunner. 
And the other gunner that they had was Stanley Morgan. And if he doesn't make the team this year, that's that's a that 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 helps Tony Brown's case. Um, but yeah, that's that that might be one of the more you mentioned it in the story that quarterback is the easiest one to pick. Quarterback cornerback is right up there with it. Uh, as our safeties, Jesse, yes. ba- Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Ricardo Allen, Brandon Wilson, really, they all have such clear roles. I mean, it's like Jesse Bates is the star. Von Bell is the leader and is, you know, the, the Robin to Batman, so to speak. Ricardo Allen is the veteran intellectual backup who can do everything, including dropping into the slot. If you need him to come play corner, Brandon Wilson's arguably the best kicker turner in the league. Boom, 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 boom. You have uh, such clear defined roles and quality in those clear defined roles, I think, uh, Trayvon Henderson, Kavon Frazier will be battling for practice squad. Uh, Specialists, we talked about the top. The Chrisman injury kind of clears this up. Uh, Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, Evan McPherson. Theoretically, McPherson could lose the battle to Austin Siebert. It would take a pretty big collapse for that to happen. I think McPherson's going to be the guy. Again, we'll watch it. We'll track it. We'll tell you who makes and misses. But for the most part, that will we'll probably go McPherson's ways. He's definitely a pretty clear leader in the clubhouse. You talked about the the battle kind of being over now with Chrisman's hand injury, but I, I could see them putting him on the practice squad. And I, oh I'm yeah, not, definitely, I'm, yeah. And I'm I'm not going to give my, myself the homework right now, but if if it comes to that on August 29th when they announce the cuts and then the day late the next day they make the practice squad. I mean, how many times has a punter ever been on a practice squad? It, it was rare. I mean, you never saw it and when it was a kicker, and everybody knows what happened with Jake Elliott. That's a different situation. Um, Chrisman was undrafted. Jake Elliott was a high draft pick for a kicker. Uh, it's not like – punter injuries are very rare. So it's not like someone's going to come along and pluck Drew Chrisman off, and they are really high on him. Um, but I, I, it would be so odd, so rare – but also makes so much sense to to use, especially having 16 now, to use one of those spots for Christmas. Yeah, to me, that's the advantage of having 16. You can do something like stash a punter or even a kicker and, and have them if you need them in a pinch. And that's, you know, that we saw that last year. We talked about that last year when the COVID situation could just pop up on you mm-hmm. and you needed to have somebody who had done testing and all that stuff. Similarly, it still applies here um, where the extra spots allow you to do some things like that with the specialists. Um, All right, so that's the roster. That's our outlook at camp. That's a look at Burrow. Let's look at the pressure on this season. You've heard from Mike Brown for the first time in a couple of years, uh, at least where we can ask him questions. Uh, We ran down a ton of news. I came in with some energy, came in really excited. I'm I'm, I'm tired. I need a nap now. Not used to working this hard, Jay. (laughs) Big day tomorrow. First day of practice. Big day tomorrow. We are not going to be subject to the bridge. You know, I, I like being a bridge guy at heart. You know, I support the bridge. Uh, I've been a part of the bridge. We spent all last preseason the bridge. It's gonna be nice to not have to climb up to the bridge. Yes, for sure. We'll just we'll be we'll be back on the practice field, and you know we're in person. Uh, so we're able to, to do some in-person interviews. We'll, we're going to be able to get some guys after practice on the field. So look for much more of that type of stuff coming your way as well. Um, throughout, we got lots of stuff planned for you throughout camp. Again, we mentioned the 50% off deal going on right now. If you want to get in, this is a limited time deal. I, I, look, season's starting. We're going to have so much going on. Um, if you just want to listen to this without ads or you like the extra, additions that you can get on our slick app uh, to listen to the podcast plus all the stories across the entire league 
Um, oh, which we didn't mention the Bruce Feldman story. Um, I, totally my bad on that slipping my mind. Maybe one of the best Burrow stories I've read all offseason, really inside how he increased his velocity, some of the numbers behind that. Awesome story by Bruce and and really interesting to see talking about his velocity numbers, how he averaged between 47 and 48, and then with the work he did on his his hips and with all the stuff that the new technology that Jordan Palmer has at his spot, he was like whipping them up there at 54. Uh, and I did the quote was 54. What? Give me a ball. And just Burrow <laughs> being so excited to see the power that he was generating by what, by the, the change in how he was using his hips and how strong his hips were from his rehab. You've heard the side of people talking about his velocity here that we wrote about in the summer, but to hear the background and the specifics behind that, I think, uh, I mean, I think it got Bengals fans pretty juiced, uh, judging by the reaction, as it should have, because it was a, a really well-done story with a lot of positive stuff about Burrow in there. Go to that story, 50% off. You can get it for the whole year. We'll have that all year going on. Highly recommend you come in now. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and we will be talking to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground. Mm-hmm.